Merry Christmas. Christmas. I want to welcome you all here, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your Christmas holiday season to just come here and enjoy this evening with us. Um, Mike Oldham, I'm the senior pastor here at AGCC, and again, on behalf of the worship team and everybody here, I I would like to welcome you and thank you for coming. Um, The message that I want to bring tonight, I've titled Light of the World. Um, As I said in the first service, uh, the story's been told through the narration and through the songs that we've, we've sung. So I sat down and I kind of wondered what it was that I wanted to tackle. But we're going to take a look at a few verses in John, and we're going to go from there and kind of tie everything together. John says in his gospel, uh, in chapter 1, starting in verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, that is Jesus, has made him known. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for everybody gathered here this Christmas Eve. Pray that you would soften our hearts, you would open up our minds, you would unstop our ears, that we would be able to hear this wonderful story of hope, of light, and of love that you give to us. I pray, Father, that you would take the words that are going to be said and that you would just quicken our spirits to hear them. For those who don't know who your son Jesus is, Lord, I pray that you would Even now, your Holy Spirit would be tender and just touch their hearts, that they may come to know who you are. Thank you for being able to be together tonight and to be able to share. So bless your word, Lord, and the things that we're going to say, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The world is full of stories. You think about it, and we all, we walk through. In fact, every one of us here this Christmas Eve when you, when you meditate on it, each one of us has our own story. We're all in a different place in life. We're all dealing with different things. But we're all on a journey. We're going through life together, uh, trying to figure different things out. And you see, the songs that we've sung, the readings that Zach read for us, we've heard the story told. The story of the people of Israel, their God, their hope, and the promise of the king to come. That's what the Bible gives us. One who would save his people from sin and ultimately would save the world itself from the darkness that has overtaken it. And what makes this Christmas story that we've heard here this evening through song and through word much different than any other ancient myth stories that we are told is just how rooted in history it really is. How solidly planted in the timeline of reality that we have. The fact, and it's one that we've been learning about this Advent season here at AGCC, for those of you who have attended, what we've been learning is that these things happen to real people in real time, just doing real life, going about their day-to-day business, trying to get from Monday to Tuesday on the timeline of history. Some of the names perhaps you've even heard. The places mentioned here this evening might even be familiar to you, but they're all very real. Caesar Augustus we learn about from history. The emperor of Rome, Rome itself we've heard about. Galilee, in fact, Nazareth, places like that. Bethlehem are all very familiar for us if you even look on a map. They still exist even to this day. And the last reading that Zach gave to us this evening comes from the Gospel of John, where I am right now. 
And it was written in his mid-90s. He was a very old man at that point and quite possibly the last surviving eyewitness who had any account at all from personal memory of of life that he could describe regarding the ministry and and the miracles and the, the life of Jesus of Nazareth, this carpenter. He certainly was the last living apostle at this particular time who had walked with that Galilean carpenter who could actually say, I saw what he did. I was an eyewitness to the things that he had had his hand in. And John has a story to tell, a story for us to hear. It's a true account of what it is he actually saw and what it is he heard as he spent three years of his life with this Jesus of Nazareth. And he wants to tell us and he wants to tell the people in the place that he's writing to who he actually was. And amazingly enough, he's telling it to a people who are just like you and I are, I say that because John writes to a group of people in a place called Ephesus, far removed from the events that he's going to describe in his book that he unpacks, and who now make up the church. They weren't eyewitnesses like he was. They were a group of people who weren't even Jewish for that matter. They were Gentile, and they were living in the late 90s, almost at the end of the very first century A.D., And they had come to believe in this Jesus without ever having seen him, without ever having watched him perform a miracle or feed people or raise anybody from the dead. They had never seen any of the things that he had done. They had only heard from people like John who this Jesus was. They were told he was the one who would save the world from sin and he would save the world from darkness and he would bring any who believed in him and trusted in his name into his kingdom. You see, when you look at the first four books of the New Testament, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have a story to tell, every one of them. And Matthew and Luke give the story that's most familiar to us, the story that we get from a Charlie Brown Christmas, the story that Zach read for us here this evening. You know, it's in so many that are like it. This baby born in Bethlehem, the shepherds in the fields that have angels proclaiming his coming to them, and doing so to seemingly insignificant people And I don't think that that's something that we ought to miss in this. Because it comes to those who society overlooks. To the downtrodden, the outcast, the broken. Those who you wouldn't think worth talking to. They get to hear the message of the coming king first before anybody of any type of importance hears it. That's what Matthew and Luke give us in the birth narratives. Mark, he jumps right into it, and and his gospel jumps right into the start of the ministry of Jesus, where he just begins to tell of this messenger who's going to come before him, another character on history's timeline by the name of John the Baptist, one that we can know. His ministry was very clear. He was the one who was sent to declare to all of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, that all of God's promises made to Abraham all those thousands of years ago are about to be fulfilled in the one who is coming after me, the Messiah King. He's the one who I'm going to proclaim to you. That's the story that I have. This is what we've been learning this Advent season here at AGCC over the last four weeks, that God, through seemingly insignificant people over and over again, These folks simply being obedient to do what God is asking them to do. He was moving his plan forward for human beings. People like Abraham, the father of faith, with nothing more than the instruction to just go from here, and he went. On into Moses, the one who led the people of Israel out of uh, Egypt in their exodus, headed into the promised land. And then Gideon, uh, who helped the people of Israel defeat the Midianites, an army that was far greater than they were. 
But he was being obedient to what God had called him to. To the prophet Isaiah, where we've spent most of our time this Advent season, who was just being faithful to proclaim the word that God had given him. We learned about the priest, Zechariah, and the vision he had in the temple about becoming the father of John the Baptist and Elizabeth, his wife. Two faithful people, just a little bit on in years, who would do what, what, what it was that God told them to do. And then finally we come upon Mary and Joseph, probably the two most well-known people in the Christmas story. These two young Jewish people who are willing to sacrifice the rest of their lives in order to do what it is God has called them to do. They're real people living real lives, real time, on the history's timeline, just simply being obedient to God's call. Now, our text from this Advent season over the past month was from Isaiah in chapter 9 and verses 1 and 2. And he says, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. See, even before it came to pass, God's plan was not just to save his people, Israel, but through his people, the world itself will be reconciled back to God. That's what's being said here. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You see, this is God's promise to the world. Those who are living in darkness, that the darkness of sin the darkness of brokenness and walking away from who God is and what looks at times for some of us like absolute hopelessness. Life isn't always all that easy. Sometimes we hit a wall or sometimes life gets quite tough and we feel like it's rather hopeless, but it's not. You see, because God's promise is that the light always shines in the darkness. It will always shine in the darkness. You take a tea light into the darkest room you can find without a crack of light going on in there, and you bring a match with you, and you light that tea light, and it may be the smallest of lights, but if you put that in the middle of that room, that room that is utter darkness with that one little flicker of candle going on in there, you have light. You may not be able to read a book, but you can see. The light will always shine in the darkness. That's the hope of the Bible itself. That's the hope of the gospel. And that is the hope which John opens up his letter to the Ephesian church that we know would be the gospel of John when he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him not anything that was made was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. See, what John's doing here, for those who are unfamiliar with this story, he's going all the way back to the story of creation itself. He doesn't leave the people in Ephesus where they are. He brings them all the way back to the very first chapters and the first verses of the book of Genesis in the Bible. That's the story of the people of Israel, and it's the story of their God. And why does he do that? Because John knows that he's talking to a people who probably don't know it. Much like some of us today, we don't know the story of creation. But they need to know that in order to understand who this Jesus is and why it was he came. What is the purpose for him being? Why does John call him the Word? Well, in the beginning, Moses tells us, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. 
At the very beginning of all things, darkness ruled. Darkness reigned. Until God spoke. Until he spoke his word. And what was the first thing that he said? Verse 3 of Genesis 1 is, let there be light. And there was light. You see, John writing to a people just like us here in this little place of Virgins roots these folks in the very beginning of God's story in history itself in order to show us that this Jesus of Nazareth, this little baby in a manger, is God come to us in the flesh. That he is the fulfilled promise. He's not some Greek mythical demigod where some weird thing happened when the gods came down and and did whatever it was. That's not what it is. It's not some other ancient myth story trying to make sense of this world and given so that the people of Israel can feel comfortable within the cultures in which they live. That's not what this story is. In fact, it's absolutely not that, if it's anything. You see, this Jesus of Nazareth was the word. That's what the scripture tells us. He is actually God himself who made everything we see and everything that we know. And he humbled himself in the second person of the Trinity as God the Son becoming just like us. Now, why does he do that? In order to shine light into a dark place. You see, the beauty you see in this Christmas story is found in the frightening truth of this Christmas story, that the world itself has fallen into darkness. The world itself is completely broken. And that God's image bearers, that's who we are. We bear the image of the creator of the universe We have lost our way. That humanity itself needs help. And that help needs to come from outside, not inside. And that's what Jesus is all about. Because help comes to us. How does it come to us? It comes to us in the form of a little baby. God in a manger. It is the crazy and radical upside down story of how God is going to redeem creation. But it is one that John is telling people here in his opening chapter. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. You see, remember, John was an eyewitness. He's wanting to tell these people what I'm telling you is true. Glory is the one of of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. You see, it's in these short verses is the gospel promise that we who are lost have been found by the very one whom you have been running away from. Why is that? Well, John continues in the third chapter, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The one we're running from is chasing after us. You see, the story of Christmas is that of grace, and it's poured out upon all of mankind. Through this baby in a manger, through this little Jesus of Nazareth, John continues, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. See, this Jesus, he's the light of the world. He's a savior born who brings peace to those who seek his favor. This isn't an ordinary story. This is the upside down story of how God steps into our reality, into history's timeline, 
to save his people. It's certainly not a silly little children's myth to keep us from being afraid of the dark. It's to save us from darkness itself. The beautiful thing about it is that we're not looking for him. He comes looking for us. And he finds us because he loves us. You see, the greatest gift ever given to humanity, the greatest gift given to this world, he came from the throne of heaven to be wrapped in a little baby's blanket and placed in a manger to be among us in order to save us. There are many babies in history's timeline that have become kings. But there is only one king who stepped into history's timeline to become a baby for us. I want to ask you, if you don't know who this Jesus is, this Christmas Eve as you go home and you ponder these things and you sit around table with family and friends and you talk, won't you take the time to consider this Jesus? The one who came, set everything aside in order to save us from the darkness that abounds through his marvelous and wonderful light.